0: Thanks, Paul. Uh, I just want to amen all of his words about uh, Romanian Christian Enterprise. Uh, It's a ministry that's near to my heart. I've had the chance to go there with both of my boys and made a number of trips over there. Um, We've got Chelsea, one of our staff that's planning to go on this trip. So really talk to any of us if you're interested in making that trip. Another logistical note that just doesn't fit anywhere really great in our service, but it's probably helpful for you to know because you're like, hey, what's up with that? Is that with our third birthday, we are transitioning to, to all live preaching. So, you know, as we started our site, we would stream our ser- uh, sermons often from our McLean side, And then over the years, we've decreased that and increasingly had live preaching. And so with our third birthday, it will be all live preaching here. And so that's just a heads up. Uh, it was always part of the plan as we move towards particularization. We are in Psalm 117 this morning. All right. Psalm that speaks about the mission of God Shortest uh, chapter in the whole Bible, shortest psalm in all of the Psalms. Will this be the shortest sermon you ever hear? We'll see. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Um, Here's what I can tell you this song speaks of praise. And um, regardless where you're coming in this morning, whether it's as a Christian or as an agnostic or otherwise, it's not if you will praise, but what you will praise. All of us praise. And it speaks of mission here in this psalm. And again, it's not if you have a mission for your life, it's what your mission is. What mission are you living on? And is it the one that you were designed and created for? And is it one that will lead to life? And so um, the, uh, the psalm only has two verses, but I've got three points. I think I'm allowed to do that. Um, we're going to talk about the song, the story, and the sent ones. The song, the story, and the sent ones. But before we do any of that, let me pray and ask God to speak to us. Mighty and merciful Father, we ask that by your Spirit you would meet with us wherever we are in life this morning. Speak to us. Help us to see your great love and all of us need to see Jesus. We remember that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but your word, Lord, it lasts forever. Amen. All right, we're looking at a psalm. Psalms are songs or poem. Our Bible has a whole book of them, 150 of them. It's helpful to know, especially for some of us this morning, that the majority of the songs in the psalms are laments, right? They, they actually speak to the sorrow and sadness and difficulty of life. So if that's where you're at this morning, there's are songs that speak to that reality right? And songs do that. They speak to the things that matter most to us. That's, that's one of the beautiful things about songs. Think, think about uh, what songs are about and where songs show up in our life, right? Hey, kids, last time you were scroll- scrolling through Spotify, adults, you ever find any songs about Excel spreadsheets? I don't think so, right? And if you did, they definitely weren't trending, all right? And uh, we don't write songs about that kind of stuff. We write songs about romance and breakup, breakups. We, we write songs about celebrations, sorrow. We write songs about our hometowns and our colleges and our countries. We write songs about matters of the heart. And think about where songs show up in our life. Birthday parties, right? Kids, you go to birthday parties, what do you do? You sing a song, right? And then you get cake. That's awesome. In um, our birthday parties, song shows up. Um, if you were to go to a rugby match in Cardiff Wells, you know what they would do for almost the whole match? They would sing songs. If you could time travel and go back to uh, civil rights protests or anti-apartheid protests, you know what they would do? They would sing songs, right? At funerals, at weddings. Right, You've never been to a reception, and the MC says, Now, ladies and gentlemen, the lovely bride and her groom are for the first time going to do some differential calculus for all of us right now, right? <laughs> that never happens. What do they do? They dance, and what do they dance to? They dance to a song that's meaningful to them. Songs speak to matters of the heart. And this book makes it clear that God is always and forever after our hearts. All right? What we have is a song this morning and it speaks to what our hearts are about and what do we do from the center of our beings? And the first verse and, it, and, and the last verse, the beginning and the end of this song, say praise the Lord, right? Make great, glorify, magnify, celebrate who God is. And you know, some people have uh, an interesting reaction when they hear this command to praise the Lord. They, they meet it with a little bit of uh, reticence. There, um, I ran across uh, an article in the Financial Times um, from, from London recently, and uh, the author was saying this is the difficult thing about religion for him is this command to worship. His name was Michael Proust, and he wrote this article, and he said, okay, well, if there is a God out there, and if for some strange reason he decided to create us, why does he feel this need to command us to worship? His point was like, sure, human tyrants they crave adulation and admiration, but why would a morally perfect God feel the need to command us to praise Him? Um, but what if this command to praise didn't, uh, wasn't rooted in some kind of de- deficiency in God or some kind of need in Him, but what if this command to praise God was uh, an acknowledgment of something that we need, some way that we were hardwired, uh, it's funny, Michael Prouse in the Financial Times of London has this objection. And actually, uh, C.S. Lewis, Oxford professor, had the same objection. Uh, he's written uh, a little book called Reflection on the Psalms. And I was going through it. And he brings up this same objection. He's like, why does God need to command us to praise him? And he says it wasn't until he stumbled upon this fact that he had overlooked. Uh, that When he did that, he understood it. Let me read his words. He said this, the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I never noticed that all enjoyment sponta- spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise, lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poets, walkers uh, praising the countryside, players praising their favorite games, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. Um, Every last one of us here this morning was created was hardwired for praise. And that's what this song calls us to do. Praise the Lord. Praise the most praiseworthy one. So how does this intersect with missions? What's what's the connection there? Um, The work of missions is sharing with others who God is, and what God's done so that they come to understand that for themselves in a way that changes them and leads them to praise Him. That's the work of missions. Um, There's a pastor, John Piper, that says it best. I remember um, I read it in a book called Let the Nations Be Glad. I was reading the book on a 16-hour plane flight on the way to South Africa as a college uh, student. And he says this, missions exist because worship doesn't. Do you get that? Missions exist because worship doesn't. That is, we go and share the news of Christ where he is not worshiped. That's the whole point of worship is that we would go there with this news of the steadfast love of God and that then there would be songs of praise, uh, full hearts and loud voices because they've come to understand who Christ is. Praise the Lord. That's that's the song uh, point. Let's move on to the story. All right. All all great songs, regardless of how long or how short they are, they tell a story. And this song is no different. This song tells us of um, who should praise the Lord and why they should praise them. It says, who should praise the Lord? All nations and all peoples. Let me help you out a little bit this morning. When you see uh, the word nations there... You shouldn't think of like political nation states, all right, like Germany or Ecuador. That's not what the author's getting after, all right? That's not the, Bible, uh, the biblical notion of nations. He's talking about people groups, all right? If you look at the beginning of your worship guide, you see that our McLean site in the sanctuary, uh, they sang a song, uh, All right? comes from uh, the language, it's uh, Swazi or uh, Siswati language. It's a a people group in Southern Africa, right? It's actually linguistically related to the uh, Zulu language. My wife and I, we lived in South Africa for about eight years. We took about two years of Zulu language. If there is a wall of fame, or actually, sorry, if there is a wall of shame for Zulu students, I can assure you that I am on it, all right? All right. But this biblical notion of, uh, of peoples, of nations, it has to do with these who are identified uh, linguistically, culturally, ethnically. All right. So if we think praise the Lord on nations, it's, it's yes, praise the Lord uh, Siswati of Southern Africa or praise the Lord Sunda of Indonesia or praise the Lord Irish of Belfast or, or praise the Lord Pashtun, those in Afghanistan and those here in Fairfax right? God is after the heart and praise of all people and in all places. That's what this song is talking about. That's the story it's telling. Why praise the Lord? Because of his steadfast love and faithfulness. That's why we are called to praise the Lord. little context about this psalm. It was always sung by the people of God, by the nation of Israel when they celebrated Passover. All right, it actually was sung, Psalm 117 was recited at the end of the Passover meal. They're drinking their fourth cup of celebration wine there at the end of the meal. And I love this picture, right? An intentional meal to celebrate all that God has done. An intentional meal to celebrate God's rescue from slavery in Egypt. And with cup in hand, they recite these words of God's great steadfast love and faithfulness. Right, We celebrated a meal last week in our service. Right, the, We celebrated the Lord's Supper with bread and cup in hand. We remembered his rescue and the great rescuer. With bread and cup, we remembered that we were rescued from the slavery of sin and death. You see, here we, we read of this, um, this word great when it says great, uh, steadfast love. That word great is pregnant with meaning. Because it has this idea of prevailing, right? This victory over, it's this powerful kind of love that comes in and brings victory. And there's no greater picture of that than Jesus Christ. Pursuing us by leaving heaven and coming to earth and living the life we should have lived and prevailing over sin and death on the cross and rising from the grave. Who should should praise the Lord? All nations, all people. Why? Because of his steadfast love and faithfulness the song, the story, and the sent ones, right? This, this song kind of begs the missionary question. All right, well, if all nations are gonna praise the Lord, how are they gonna hear about him, right? Paul asked that question in Romans chapter 10. How are they gonna believe in whom they have not heard? So how are the nations going to hear about the steadfast love of God? You heard about it in Paul Woller's prayer for the East West Ministry. There are people groups around the world that have no meaningful witness to the name of Jesus Christ. Whether it's in Southeast Asia or North Africa or the Indian subcontinent, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that just don't have a way to hear of the gospel. And we want to be a church that prays for and sends people to share the news of Jesus there. But it's not just um, around the world. It's actually across the street as well. Right, have you ever pulled out on Little River Turnpike as you're leaving the, uh, leaving the church? And if you do, if you do today, you pull out Little River Turnpike, just look. Whichever way you go, right or left, you'll notice that there are townhomes and apartments there. I would venture to guess within a few miles of this auditorium, there are hundreds, probably thousands, who, who don't have a meaningful understanding of the gospel. And you say, whatever, Rob. Like there are churches everywhere. Right there are Christians everywhere, like, um, surely they, they've heard the gospel. They've just decided it's not for them. I want to assure you, many of them have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would assume a lot of them heard or, or kind of were in the place that I was before I became a Christian. Um, had I heard of Jesus? Yes. Did I know there were churches? Yes, sure. Um, Did I know about Christianity? Yes. But here's, did I know of the steadfast love and faithfulness of God? No one had ever talked to me about that, right? The closest I got to understanding Christianity is that I just needed to admit that I was a sinner. Like that's the closest I had gotten to any kind of Christian message. But even the sense of that was more like, it was like this cosmic cry of uncle, right? Like I just need to say that I'm a sinner and get it over with and be like, okay, God, are you happy now? I admitted it. As strange as that sounds, that was my understanding of Christianity until some very ordinary Christians and a very ordinary church came into my life and showed me the love of Jesus and spoke of the love of Jesus and changed my life forever. So I assure you that there are thousands of people within a few miles of here that need someone to do the same for them to speak of what the steadfast love of Jesus can do in our darkest days where you might be right now and how the love of Jesus can save us from being deluded by even our successes. So uh, we're about to celebrate our third birthday as a church. All right. So it's, it's a good time for asking questions, right? What, what, what are we doing as a church? What's our chief aim? Uh, what's the end goal here? Um, and I'll, I'll say this at the risk of uh, bursting some bubbles or potentially losing some friends here, right? Um, the, the chief aim of Capital Press uh, Fairfax is not to, like, grow up and become a real church where we have our own building and our own classrooms and our own uh, parking lot. Like if that's our highest and, and greatest goal, right, then God save us and give us a higher and greater goal. Okay? Um. If our own place and our own parking lot and our own classrooms can help us reach more people for the nations and send more people to the nations and disciple more people, then yes and amen. And in a lot of ways, I think it might, and we're putting together a team to pray about that and look at that. But um, if our own building and our own classrooms would slowly lull us into comfort-based inward weekly gatherings, then may it never be. Here's my prayer for us as a church family. Some of my prayers. Um, I pray that we would be a church family that prays for the nations. That like your roommates and your community groups and your families, even at lunch today, would pray, God, use us to make the gospel known among the nations. I pray that we would be a church family that gives uh, towards God's mission. Like our time, talent, treasure, all of those things. Like if you were to open up some of these apps on your phone, like your banking app or your calendar app, would there be evidence of transactions or, or scheduled appointments that, ha, that align with God's mission among the nations? And friends, I'm thankful that there's evidence of that in our church and that I know many of you guys are about that. After the service, you're going to have a chance to connect with some of our missions partners. We've got Young Life Capernaum staff here and some of you guys are involved with that. We've got Project Belong and some of you are coming along families that are um, coming alongside these... Um, Foster parents uh, and loving them and helping them as they love children that come from broken families. Um, Embrace grace. We're sharing the gospel with uh, mothers and fathers in unplanned pregnancies. RCE, InterVarsity at George Mason. All of those things. I'm thankful that we're doing that and let's ask God to multiply that, to continue to work in that way. So let's pray, let's give, let's go. Let's ask God, where would you send us? um, Last point. My prayer for us as a church family is that we would be a people of praise. Um, Not only does missions exist because worship doesn't, but worship is the fuel of missions. And here's what I mean by that. Um, You're not really going to do a great job, and I'm not really going to do a great job of sharing that which I don't really sing about. Do you get that? How are we going to... Uh, give high praise and tell of that which we haven't tasted for ourselves. This mission of God, um, guilt is not enough to sustain us to go out there and do that. This mission of God, um, uh, our typical DC determination and all of our competencies, that's not enough to sustain us when we go out there and do that. We're going to live in light of the mission of God when we come to the end of ourselves and realize, hey, we're not enough. We don't have enough. Our only hope and the hope of anyone we will ever meet is Jesus Christ. And we live and we love and share in such a way that they might know him and the hope found in him. That's my prayer. And so I'm going to pray it now and ask you to pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for songs that remind us of your mission among the nations. And we do pray, um, would you make us a people of praise that that know your goodness on dark nights of the soul and uh, on our days of great celebration, help us to connect the dots of our life to your goodness and grace in our life, your steadfast love and your forever faithfulness. Help us to see that and know that and share that to be willing to go to the furthest parts of the world and to be willing to go across the street and to our neighbors, uh, the kids on our soccer team, uh, the people in our office. We confess we're not enough to do this. We don't have what we need. We need your grace to work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.